I read something a few weeks ago that I thought was really powerful. It said, who am I? I have no respect for justice or fairness. I maim without killing. I break hearts and ruin lives. I am cruel and malicious and gather strength with age. The more I am quoted, the more I am believed. I flourish at every level of society. My victims are helpless. They cannot protect themselves against me because I have no name and no face. To track me down is impossible. The harder you try, the more elusive I become. I'm nobody's friend. Once I tarnish a reputation, it is never the same. I topple governments and ruin marriages. I destroy careers and cause heartache and sleepless nights. I wreck churches and separate Christians. I spawn suspicion and and generate grief. Make innocent people cry on their pillows. Even my name hisses. I am gossip. So I thought this morning after we got through the Ten Commandments, I'd pick a lighter subject so you guys can all kind of sit back (laughs) and relax. Oh, absolutely not. Absolutely not. Proverbs chapter 18, verse 8 says this. "The the, The words of gossip are like choice morsels. They go down to a man's inmost parts. Gossip has destroyed more lives, tarnished more reputations, destroyed more friendships, and split more churches than any sin that I know. It is one of the most destructive uh, sins, I guess the best way to call it, that, that I experienced, that I've experienced as a pastor, to watch people's lives be destroyed by gossip. Gossip is quickly told, it is quickly heard, it is quickly spread, and worst of all, it is quickly believed. You know, you, you, when, when people throw things out there, we just believe them. How many of us had heard something about someone 15, 20 years ago, and we actually found out down the road that it wasn't true? But we still have feelings about that person. Maybe it's a famous person. You saw a tabloid. You heard some some news report about how this person did something with this other person's wife or blah, blah, blah. Finding out is completely untrue as time went on. But you still have this residual uh, dislike for some reason for that person. It just kind of sticks with you. It's absolutely amazing because once it gets out there, one go- once gossip gets out there, it is so difficult to take back. And the Bible warns us against this tempting pull. And it, and it warns us about gossip and, and, and its deadly, uh, deadly consequences. It's deadly consequences. It is one of the most powerful ways to destroy a person's life that I've ever experienced. And whether we like it or not, whether we eh, want to hear it or not, the reality is this is one of those things where we all struggle. Now, some people, you may know someone and they're just a malicious gossip and they're just terrible. They're terrible. But, you know, so you, you think to yourself, see, that's a gossip. Me, on the other hand, not so much. Well, that's very true. But I think that some, in, in some way, at some level, we all struggle in this area. We have a hard time avoiding it. Even if you're not the one who starts the conversation, it, you have a hard time avoiding the conversation. And when we listen to gossip, it changes us. As a profound change, it, it pr- produces a profound change in our lives. It skews the way you think about the person that's being talked about. It's very difficult not to do that. 
One of the things I've learned as a pastor is to be very careful when someone comes and tells me something, even in confidence, about someone else and something's going on. I, I think to myself immediately now, I need to hear both sides of the story. I need to get the whole picture. Because otherwise, a lot of what is being said is kind of maybe a little bit of half-truths or from their perspective. And I don't want to get a skewed thought process toward another person. So I want to hear the whole, I want to hear the whole story. Because gossip sinks into our hearts, it sinks into our minds, and it corrupts us like a fast-spreading disease. You know? It's like if you're sick and you kind of touch someone or you, you, know, you breathe on them, they get that disease, and it spreads throughout the house. Gossip's the same way. Once you hear it, it's like a fast-spreading disease. It's hard. It's hard. When someone when someone comes to you and kind of tells you something in the Bible, Proverbs 18, 8 talks about that, that choice morsel. You ever ever be eating with someone? Some people do this all the time and they like it. They're like, "Mm, smell this. You know what I mean? Even if it's bad, they want. Oh, oh my goodness. Smell this. Hey, if you're if it's disgusting to you, why would I want to smell it? But that's what we do. If 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 we eat something we really love on the other side of the spectrum, we want. Oh, you got you got to taste this. You just got to taste this. And so it, that's how it spreads. It's like this choice morsel that we want so badly to tell someone else. Someone tells you some juicy information. We'll use that term, juicy information. And even if you're a really strong person, you're like, good, no, you don't want to tell somebody. And as Christians, we do things like, hey, I want you to pray about something. And then we go, right? Come on. That's what happens sometimes. We've got to be careful with that, too. But it's so, it's, it's so difficult. Choice morsels going down to our inmost parts. Now, the Greek word for gossip literally means a whisper. It's a whisper. It's someone, a man or a woman or a person who talks behind another person's back, whispers about another person behind their back with the intent of harming that other person. So it's that whisper. And with the introduction of, of email and, and Facebook and, and other, other social networks, which I'm not saying they're, it's bad at all. Don't get me wrong. I'm just saying with the introduction of those things, you know, gossip flies onto our computers now and invades our homes. It invades our workplaces. It's hard to get around it because whether it's, whether it's the media promoting something or gossiping about someone or someone sending an email or something on Facebook or whatever the case may be, it's so easy. It's just invades our lives. You know, even if you want to avoid it, it's so hard to avoid unless you go in some cave somewhere and you're a hermit and you're all by yourself. It just invades our lives. And the Bible talks and, and kind of connects as, uh, as sister sins, in a sense, gossip and slander. In Romans chapter 1, verses 29 and 30, it says, They have become filled with every kind of wickedness, evil, greed, and depravity. They are full of envy, murder, strife, deceit, and malice. They are gossips, slanders, God-haters, insolent, arrogant, and boastful. They invent ways of doing evil. They disobey their parents. So slander and gossip are kind of linked together. The New Testament word for slander means basically that you would speak evil against someone. It is speaking, remember that word evil, it's speaking evil against someone. In our modern terms, you know, when we gossip, we speak evil against someone. It's like trashing someone or bad-mouthing. It's a perfect word, bad-mouthing. Bad-mouthing someone, trashing someone's reputation. We speak evil against those people. And if we're thinking about speaking evil against them in gossip, we have to ask the question, where does gossip originate? Like, what's, what's its origin? Where is its original point of, of reference? 
And it's amazing here that gossip is literally fueled by evil. It is fueled by evil. Gossip is one of Satan's greatest tools to entice you and to entice me to harm one another. That's, what, that's one of the best ways that evil can get in and allow us to harm each other. Because it's one of those things that even if you're a stronger believer, you kind of get pulled into conversations. And the next thing you know, you don't, you're, you're pulled into a conversation you didn't know you were having. And you're, you're saying things that you really shouldn't be saying. And you end up harming someone with your words. And the Bible doesn't mince words when it, when it, when it lays out in James chapter 3, verse 6. And it talks about the origin, the origin of sin and of the tongue. The origin of sin and of the tongue. Here, here's what it says. Listen to these words. The tongue is also a fire, a world of evil among the parts of the body. It corrupts the whole person. It sets the whole course of his life on fire and is itself set on fire by hell. I don't know how else, a better way to put it than there. That's where it originates. It's from the pit of hell. I don't know how else to put it nicer. That's where it comes from. It is harmful. It is destructive. When you go to college, it's all over the place. Hear about so-and-so? Can you believe this? Can you believe that? Off you go, and it just spreads across like wildfire. Someone on a college campus say, hey, you hear that? Uh, I'm, I'm going way back, okay? But this happens every year from way back when. Remember Henry Winkler, the Fonz, okay? Man, I remember going to school, and everybody's like, Fonzie's dead. <laughs> you know, the Fonz is dead. And it spread across, it was like sweeping the nation, and Fonzie's dead. Henry Winkler's dead. Was Henry Winkler dead? No. And this week it was somebody else. They'd, someone just says someone's dead, and bam, it goes across. Just gossip spreads all over the place. You can't get away from it. It's everywhere. And it really starts, it's, it's, it's for the most part when we're doing that, it starts with, there's, there's, an, there's, a, there's an evil that is poured into. Either it comes from our sinful nature, or it comes directly from, from Satan himself, basically. God never, listen, God never leads us, to, leads us to gossip. Never. God never leads us to gossip. So you can know when you are gossiping, it, come, it is born out of sin or evil. Simple as that. When I, pers- I'm just picking on myself, when I gossip, I can know that that was not something that God placed in my heart, that God would want me to do or say, that comes from a place of sin in my life or evil poured into me, one or the other. It's, it's pretty simple. In Luke chapter 6, verse 45, Jesus tells us, The good man brings good things out of the good stored up in his heart. And the evil man brings evil things out of the evil stored up in his heart. For out of the overflow of his heart, his mouth speaks. Jesus is telling us that our words reveal where our heart is. Our words, what we say, reveal where our heart is. Now, I am not saying that I'm evil and you're all evil. We're all evil. That's not what I'm saying. I'm not saying that we're all evil. What I am saying is that when we allow, when you and I allow our sinful nature nature to control our hearts, it is often expressed through our words. Let me say that again. When you and I allow our sinful nature to control our hearts, then it often comes out in an expression of our words. That's how it's spilled out. Jesus said it. He said, the good man brings good things out of the good stored up in his heart. And the evil man brings evil things out of the evil stored up in his heart. 
So when we store up those things, the mouth speaks. I'll tell you something. Your speech is a great indicator of where you are spiritually. And this is not me judging you or judging anyone. All I'm saying is this. This is good for all of us to know. When you are struggling with gossip and, you know, just letting it rip, whatever the case may be, your speech is a great indicator of where you are spiritually because the mouth speaks from the heart. It starts in the heart and it comes out here. That's where it starts. So if you're struggling in that area, you, you personally need to take a step back and ask yourself, where am I spiritually? Why is it that I'm allowing these things to come spewing out? Where's my heart and why is my heart in that place? Why am I angry? Why am I bitter? Why do I have so much hate in my heart? Whatever the case may be. Why, why am I so eager to say things, to whisper, to gossip, to harm? Why am I so eager to do that? What's going on in my life spiritually that would allow me to just let those things flow out of me? It's just a good, it's a good indicator of where we are spiritually. Now, I have an idea, and I was, I was really thinking about the students, but I would like the students to spread it to their homes. If you don't have any, if you don't have any kids in your house right now, then you, you take this and run with it. Here's what I'd like you to do. I think you should make a pact with your friends. I don't care if it's college or high school or junior high, wherever. Make a pact with your friends that you are not going to gossip for a month, say. All right? So you make a pact that we're not going to gossip for a whole month. Anyone who breaks it and starts to gossip has to pay a dollar. Okay, got to pay up a dollar. I did this like a few years back. It was a quarter, but inflation, the whole nine yards, you know what I mean? Um, and so you pay a dollar. I figure that we raise about a million dollars in about a month, right? We can put it towards the church budget. We all set to be all. No, I'm just kidding. Here's what we'll do. You, you make a pact with your family or your friends, whatever, all those around you. And you say, hey, we're not going to gossip for a month. And we'll, everyone who, anyone who gossips has to pay up a dollar. And then we'll use that money to drill. We'll, the kids out here in, our, in the foyer here, they have a little, um, a little well, and they're raising up uh, money for, to drill a well in Nigeria to give people fresh water. So we'll take all of our dollars, we'll stick it in the well, and we'll help get that drill, well drilled a little quicker in Nigeria. It's something, if you start doing that, you'll be shocked. You'll think, oh, I don't really gossip that much. And then all of a sudden you'll be talking and everything. Oh, ah, ah, that's, a, that's gossip. Pay up. All right. So let's do that. Let's try that for a month and see how we do, Um, because I think what will happen is you'll catch yourself and you'll start breaking that habit. I think gossip is often the result of bitterness and anger that has built up in people's lives. One of the reasons that we gossip, we have allowed bitterness, we have allowed hatred or anger to build up in our hearts and it expresses itself through our, again, through our words. In Psalm chapter 109, in verse 3, David said this of his enemies, with words of hatred, they surround me. They attack me without cause. So sometimes it's just that build up. And, and again, this is a great thing for, I don't, doesn't matter if you've never come to church before in your life. This is a great indication that you, where you can just take a step back and say to yourself, why is it that I speak the way I speak? What's going on in my heart that I need to change to change my vocabulary, to change the way I talk to other people? Because your words are just a reflection of what's going on inside. You can pretend it's not, but you're just fooling yourself. So instead of getting all defensive, whatever else, it's just between you and God. Take a step back and think about that. God, help me, help me guard my words. Help me think through what is causing me to, to, to talk this way. 
Gossip can also be a product of idleness. In 1 Timothy chapter 5, verse 13, it says, Besides, they get into the habit of being idle and going about from house to house. And not only do they, they become idlers, but also gossips and busybodies, saying things they ought not to. Now, people who have too much time on their hands many times become gossips. Now, you know exactly who I'm talking about. I was shocked as the pastor of the church getting into conversations with people in the church about what goes on in their neighborhoods. You know, to me, you know, you grow up in a neighborhood, I guess, and I, I grew up in an apartment complex, so I knew things got around. And, but in neighborhood, I thought you just kind of, you don't like your neighbor, you just kind of ignore your neighbor. But here's the thing, there's always someone in the neighborhood that has giant windows in their house, and they have like a view, they pick the house in a perfect location to see everybody else's house. They know when you're coming. They know when you're going. They know when you buy a new car. They know when you get it. They just know everything. They talk to everyone and they get they gather up all this information and then they go around like busybodies and gossips and they gossip to everybody else about you and them. They, they spread rumors. If they don't have something to say, they make something else up just to be able to talk. Dangerous. Dangerous people. They're idle. They don't have anything else to do. And when you're idle and you have nothing else to do, a lot of the time you become a gossip and a busybody. And gossip is so stinking dangerous. I don't know how else to say it. It is one of the most destructive things. It causes trouble. It twists the truth. And the reality is it doesn't allow you to get closer in your relationship with Jesus Christ. The more you talk that way, the more distance you become from Christ. I mean, have you ever been in a conversation with someone, and we all have, you didn't start it, okay? You're just sitting there and mind your own business, eating or whatever the case may be, and someone brings up a subject. And it seems pretty harmless in the very beginning, and so you engage in the topic, whatever else. It soon turns into a bashing session or just, you're just ripping on someone and tearing the pieces. You didn't, you didn't want to get in that conversation. And I don't know about you, but I literally feel like shaking off the muck after those conversations sometimes. Do you? I mean, you literally feel like just wiping. You want to go take a shower or something after getting in that conversation. You don't even want to be in it. And you, got, you found yourself in it. And you just want to, oh, my goodness. Oh, how, how did I actually get into this conversation? When, when we gossip, facts, facts are distorted. I mean, people's, people's reputations are ruined. Lies are spoken of as if they're truth. Half-truths are presented as complete truths. You, you, someone picks up one little fact about you, and then they make up a bunch of stuff around it, and they run with that. And in a culture where everything's relative now, there are no absolutes, so people just basically say what they want, and it's my truth because I believe it, basically. And so they'll say anything they want, and they'll run with it, and they don't even really care if it's true or not. It's true to them, and what's the difference? What's truth anyway? So why not just run off at the mouth, trashing people? It doesn't really matter. It destroys people's lives. No one in this room who's old enough to basically talk, all right, does not understand what I'm saying right here. I mean, how many of us have been in situations where our lives have been completely, um, I don't want to say destroyed, but some, in some cases destroyed for a period of time because of this kind of behavior? And when it happens, when this kind of stuff happens, relationships are, they are destroyed. In Proverbs chapter 16, verse 28, it says, A perverse man stirs up dissension. And a gossip separates close friends. I remember living in the, in the garden apartments in New York. I lived in a one-bedroom apartment with my mom. And one of the worst things in the world was going on vacation. 
Because my friend, when you went on vacation, when you got back, everyone hated your guts. You could be Jesus, and when you got home, they wanted to stone you. Because when you left, they had little apartments, so those apartment complexes, everybody would just talk and talk and talk. It took you two weeks when you got home to get people back into people's good graces. Because there was so much God. You know what he said, Bless? I remember when he went, and all this, and I can't believe it. And then all of a sudden, it just takes on a life of its own, and you're, you're like a till of the hun by the time you get home. Happened all the time. Because the talk, the gossip, in a few seconds, in just a few seconds, gossip can destroy a friendship that took years to build. It can destroy a relationship that took years to build. Not only does gossip ruin friendships, but it also has an uncanny way of doing great harm to the church. People will leave a church when they believe something that's said about someone else. They don't want to be a part of a place where that leader would be or that person would be. And they'll believe something that was said about the person without verifying it or if they're on the receiving end of the gossip. I mean, who wants to be in a situation where you're on the receiving end of someone's malicious talk? How many of us have left a job or a church or an organization because the gossip was so destructive? I mean, you walk in every day thinking, oh, my goodness, what next? There's never not a drama here. You know, whatever job it was, there's always some kind of drama going on. And there's usually one person who's just so sweet, you know, blah, blah, blah. They're just dripping with sweetness. But I'll tell you what, they are dripping with venom is what they are. They just look for opportunities to draw people into conversations and then they go for it. And it destroys people. And how many times have you just said, you know what, I don't even want to work here anymore. I don't want to deal with this church anymore. I don't want to deal with this organization anymore. I cannot take this person and their destructive pattern. We need to discipline ourselves to keep from gossiping because once you gossip, it has a profound effect on someone else's life and it's hard to get back. It is hard to get back. You throw it out on the front page. Gossip's like throwing something out on the front page and then if it's wrong and you get caught, you kind of go to page nine in the bottom, whatever, and you take or make a retraction. It is very hard to get back what you say about someone. Let me illustrate with this story. There's a church and a, a, a member of a church and he, he comes to the pastor and says, Pastor, I am the one responsible for causing all the problems in the church. I, I started talking about so-and-so, whatever else. I stirred this up and I'm, I'm really sorry. And what can I do to make up for it? And the pastor says, I want you to do, I want you to get a, a, a pillow, a, a pillow with feathers, a feather pillow, a big one. And I want you to get a sharp knife. And I want you to go on top of a big building when, on a nice windy day. I want you to get up there and take the knife, cut that pillow open, shake it and let the feathers just fly around. Guy's like, oh, okay, that, <laughs> I did that, I'll do what you want me to do. So he gets up on the roof and he cuts the pillow open, he shakes, the feathers go flying in every direction, just floating in the air. So then the member comes back to the pastor and says, hey, you know, I, I did what you asked me to do. I got up there, cut the pillow open, feathers were flying everywhere, he was describing how they floated away and everything. And he said, what else can I do? I mean, that seems like, what else can I do to make this better? And the pastor said, okay, here's what I want you to do. Now I want you to go back where you stood up on the building. And I want you to go and gather up every single one of those feathers that came out of that pillow and put them back. Hmm, can't do that, can you? Get some of them. You can find some if you're lucky. You can find some of those, but you can't find them all because now it's spread. Now what you said is spread and, the, and, and no one can. How can anyone fight against those things? You know, in my life, when people try to spread things about me, instead of freaking out about it and everything, I say truth and time walk hand in hand. The only way to to fight, you can't fight those kinds of things. All you can do is be yourself, be honest, 
Be who you are and truth and time walk hand in hand. Because when someone throws something out, it is very, very difficult to get it back. It affects people's lives. People remember. Even if you're, even if you're, you know, people will accuse people of doing certain things and the person that's being accused is innocent. But there's, there's a residual effect in the life of that person that lives on. It lives on. Let me show you a clip from National Treasure that I think is excellent. Look at it this way. In a hundred years, no one's going to remember anyone involved in the Lincoln assassination besides Booth. That's not true. Do you know the expression, his name is Mud? Yes, of course. You do? Do you know the origin of the expression? Does anyone but you? Dr. Samuel Mudd was convicted of being a co-conspirator in the Lincoln assassination. The evidence was circumstantial. He was later pardoned, but it didn't matter. Mud's name still lives in infamy, and I will not let Thomas Gates' name be Mud. Ben. Isn't that something? Ever know how that came up? Like, your name is Mud. name is Mud. Cleared him. But you know, we still use the expression, don't we? Guy probably never did anything wrong. Great man. Loved his family. Loved Link. I don't know. I mean, he probably... But you know what? His name is Mud. It matters. It lives on. We need to be careful. So what's the antidote? How do we how do we kind of overcome this? Well, Proverbs chapter 17, verse nine says, he who covers over an offense promotes love. But whoever repeats the matter separates close friends. Overlooking an offense is an act of love and friendship. When you overlook an offense, when someone does something to you, they, you know, they did it to you and they are wrong. Don't get me. This, is, this person did something to you and they are wrong. And what the Bible says is that a person who overlooks that offense, that is an act of love and friendship. And it is also an act of spiritual maturity when you can overlook an offense. Let's be honest. A church is like a family. Family members are going to offend each other sometimes. I mean, is that a shock to anyone? We, I am going to offend you sometimes. I don't mean it, but I'm going to offend. You're going to offend the person next to you. We're, we're a family. We're going to offend each other sometimes. But what God is saying is that we need to be careful. What we need to do is, as a body of Christ here, we need to, number one, realize that don't be shocked when it happens. It's going to happen. I am going to offend you. You are going to offend other people. So don't be shocked when it happens. And also, don't run around and tell everyone else how you were offended by that other person. Don't do that. Take a step back. Think about it. God says to overlook the offense. Overlook it. Let it go. Forgive that person. And if you need to talk about it, which is there's nothing wrong if you feel like you are offended to go and talk about it. But you go and talk to that person and that person alone. You don't talk to anyone else. Why? Because most likely you're going to reconcile with that person who offended you. But you told six other people what they did. Now, six other people feel like their name is mud. And they have this memory. They don't, a lot of times they don't know how it was reconciled and what was said and how it was done. But they still have this residual kind of feeling toward that other person. They don't really trust them or they don't want to really get close to them. When it was just maybe they had a bad day. God says we need to overlook the offense. And if we have to talk about it, we only, Matthew 18, go to that person one-on-one. 
You go to that person first and talk to them first. Don't let it spread. Don't let it kind of take on a life of its own. Don't let it kind of spill out into the rest of the body. Overlook the offense. Now, the Bible says that we shouldn't even listen to gossipers, those who are gossiping. Don't even listen to them. In Proverbs 20, verse 19, it says, A gossip betrays a confidence, so avoid a man who talks too much. Now, since we all struggle in this area, I don't think we should put a scarlet letter on anybody and say, oh, you know, this person, what we need to do is love each other enough to help each other through this. Some people are just in the habit. They've grown up in a home. They grew up in a place where people just, it's just a habit. They don't even really think about it. They just do it. In love, we need to encourage each other not to do it. But honestly, if someone's doing it, if you have to, be, I'm not saying be rude, just be mean to them, but cut it off. When someone begins to, get, to tell you something, they begin to kind of start spewing that out, just stop them and say, you know, I really don't want to hear it. I don't want to hear it. And say it in a way that maybe is not like makes you so uncomfortable, but you know what? Just ask them a question. Have you talked to the other person about this? Have you, have you talked to them about it? I know them as well. Maybe I could set something up where the three of us can get together. That'll cut the conversation off. If a person truly wants to reconcile, they'll have an opportunity, but it cuts the conversation off. It stops them from doing it, and that's what you need to do. We need to stop that from happening. Don't worry, don't worry so much about offending them, okay? Because what, because what they're doing is so offensive to God and to the person that's happening that, that you, it's okay to stop the person from, from, from continuing to spread what is, from a biblical standpoint, is evil, to spread that. There's nothing wrong with confronting someone in love if they've harmed you. But just spreading rumors and talking about what other people is not spiritually healthy. Confront them, okay? So I'm saying confront them, but confront them with, confront them with, the, right, with the right facts, heart, and spirit. Confront that person with the right information, with the right facts, with the right heart, and with the right spirit. Ephesians chapter 4 and verse 15 says this, Speak the truth in love. It's okay. Confrontation's not a bad thing. As long as you're doing it out of love for the other person, what you're doing is you're trying to help the other person see the error of what they've done and to grow in their relationship with Christ. It doesn't have to turn into some blown up, intense, emotional. You sit down with the person and say, you have, when you said that, it offended me. When you did that, it offended me. I just want to come to you. I haven't talked to anybody else. I, I love you as a brother or sister in Christ. I've known you for a while. And I just want to let you know that hurt my feelings. The other person's going to say, you know what? I'm sorry. I didn't even think about it. Or I was having such a bad day. I, I'm just, uh, most people are going, that's how it's going to end. If they know they're not being dragged through the mud and you're coming to them and you're talking to them. So speak the truth in love. So watch what you say. Here's my point. Watch what you say and how you say it, but say it. Because gossip needs to be stopped in its tracks. In order, I, I've never said that we want to build a, a, a church of 50,000 people or a medium-sized church or a little church. All I've ever said, all the leaders have ever said is we want to build a healthy church. And a healthy church is a place where people are, feel safe to come, where they're not going to be attacked or, or people are going to talk behind their back. We create a safe environment within the church where people can come and be themselves and grow in their relationship with Christ and, and confront it in a loving way when something happens. That's the environment we're trying to create. So we need to do that. Ephesians 4.29 says this. Listen, listen carefully to the words. Do not let any... Any, any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths. 
And any, I don't think anybody's like in, in like a quant, like, in like their minds like, what does that mean, unwholesome talk? Do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs, that it may benefit those who listen. That is so, I love that. And Jesus gives us a really sober warning in Matthew chapter 12 and verse 36. If we don't, if we don't go along, if we don't follow this, these instructions from Ephesians, he says this, I tell you that men will have to give account on the day of judgment for every careless word they have spoken. Wow. I, am, I personally, as a pastor of this church, am going to have to give account to Christ for every misspoken word. For every word that was misspoken. Every time I did something, I didn't think it through. I just well, I lashed out or whatever I did. I, I gossiped or whatever. The, I'm going to have to give account for every word that was misspoken. For any, and according to Ephesians, any unwholesome talk that came out of my mouth, that, that my mouth that was not useful for building others up according to their needs, I'm going to be held accountable. And God, God is God. He knows the hairs on your head, every hair on your head. He certainly knows every word you ever spoke. He doesn't forget it. And we're going to be held accountable for every single word. Now, as we go into communion this morning, I think we all need to, in our hearts, pray Psalm 141.3. Regardless, it's not just about gossip. I'm not just talking about gossip. I think we all need to pray Psalm 141.3. And it says this, Set a guard over my mouth, O Lord. Keep watch over the door of my lips. Can we, can we just read that together? Let's read that together, okay? All together. Set a guard over my mouth, O Lord. Keep watch over the door of my lips. I think it's something we all, and again, it's not just about gossip. It's, you know, maybe it's foul language. Maybe it's telling like horrendous jokes around people, whatever else. Maybe it's using the Lord's name in vain. Maybe you're, you know, sarcasm. I don't know. Sometimes you can be so sarcastic to someone. It really has an effect. Whatever the case may be, we just need to be careful what we say. And I love this, you know, set a guard. Set a guard over my mouth, O Lord. Keep watch over the doors of my lips. Why? Because, because where, where, does, where does all that talk come from, that evil talk come from? It comes from the pit. I don't know. Again, how else to say it? And God is saying we should love each other and respect each other and encourage each other. And as we speak words, they should be uplifting and encouraging to one another, not tearing each other to pieces and ripping each other down. Put a guard over my mouth. Put a guard, O oh Lord, and keep watch over the doors of my lips. Now, this morning, as we take communion, I'm going to be reading from 1 Corinthians chapter 11, starting in verse 23. And after I read, I'm going to pray. And after I'm finished praying, uh, you can get up from your seat. There's tables in the back. No one should feel uncomfortable because people are getting up and down. Okay, no one knows if you've gotten up or you're still sitting or you're back at your seat. It doesn't matter. Feel very comfortable, okay? I'm going to read. Because I know you go to church sometimes, you do communion. This is the most uncomfortable time for some people. It's, it shouldn't be for you this morning. Listen to exactly what I'm saying. I'm going to read from 1 Corinthians 11, verse 23 and, and following. After I'm done reading, I'm going to pray for the bread and the cup. When I'm finished praying for the bread and the cup, you can get up whenever the Spirit leads you. You can go, you don't have to wait for anybody else. You can go back to the table. You can receive the bread and the cup. Take it off the table yourself. You can come back to your seat. You can come forward here and kneel and pray, whatever you'd like to do. Okay? And once you receive the bread and the cup, you take that. You don't have to wait for anybody else to take of the bread and the cup. As the Spirit leads you, you can drink of the cup and eat of the bread. You don't have to wait for anybody else. 
Okay? So again, I'm going to read. Then I'm going to pray. After I'm done praying, you can get up to one of the back tables, take the cup, come sit back down and pray. Um, if you're, and, and then after that, you can take of the bread and the cup whenever you choose as the Spirit leads you. If you're new to the church, if you're, if you're not a member here, you can still take communion. We just ask that you know Jesus Christ is your personal Lord and Savior. That's important. That's, the, that's what the Bible tells us. So feel free. You're welcome to take communion with us this morning as long as you have that relationship with Christ. All right? 1 Corinthians chapter, chapter 11, verse 23. For I received from the Lord what I also passed on to you. The Lord Jesus, on the night he was betrayed, took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, after supper, he took the cup, saying, This cup is the new covenant, my blood. Do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me. For whenever you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Therefore, whoever eats of the bread or drinks of the cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty of sinning against the body and the blood of the Lord. A man ought to examine himself before he eats of the bread and drinks of the cup. For anyone who eats and drinks without recognizing the body of the Lord eats and drinks judgment on himself. Our gracious God and Heavenly Father, we come before you this morning with open hearts. Lord God, with a desire to be changed, to become more like your Son, Jesus Christ. Father, we pray with all of our hearts that you'd receive our worship this morning. That we would offer up our bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to you. We thank you for the bread that represents the body of Jesus Christ, which was given for us on the cross. Father, we pray that we would live our lives in such a way that it would be pleasing to you. That we would remember, Lord, remember the sacrifice that you made for each one of us. And Father, we thank you for the cup that represents your blood that was shed for us that you literally sacrificed your life. You shed blood for all of us. And because of that shed blood, because of that sacrifice, we can enter into God's presence. We can enter into the Holy of Holies. We can have conversations with you like I'm having now. What a joy. I can just talk to you, Father. I can thank you. I can say I love you. I can speak to you. I have a personal relationship with you because of what Jesus did on the cross. What a blessing. What an honor. What a privilege. Thank you for Christ's body. Thank you for his shed blood that we can have these things. And we ask to your God that as we spend this time together, Father, I don't want anyone here to feel guilty, to feel condemned, Father, the Bible says there's no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus because when we make mistakes, when we gossip, when we say things we shouldn't say, we have one who goes to the Father in our defense, Jesus Christ, the righteous one. So we can just pray and ask for forgiveness in the name of Christ and we receive forgiveness. And Lord, we don't want to walk out of here feeling guilty. We don't want to walk out of here feeling condemned. We don't want to walk out of here just feeling overwhelmed. We want to walk out of here feeling light and free because we've left behind those things that were causing us to be in some ways distanced from you. So Father, we confess our sin of our, the, our mouths. Oh boy, 
Each one of us, Lord, in different ways needs to confess that. We confess it before you this morning as we take communion. And we do ask that you would put a guard of protection over our mouths. And that you would keep watch over the doors of our lips. That we would please you with what we say to one another. That we would honor you and show our respect and love for you. Let us be more like you this morning, Lord God, in Jesus' name. Amen.